The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, Champions League. Bayern, PSG, Spurs, Milan, Scott Parker. We ask which big names are heading for a Euro exit. Also today, Atletico Madrid. Sorry, Jao, we're scoring goals now. Uh, Napoli playing Sarri. UEFA saying sorry. PSG's no more Neymar. Drama in the Ruhr for Schalke and in the nether regions for Den Bosch. And more in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday the 7th of March and it's a Totally Football Show Euro special. We've got that Alvaro, James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein and Julian Laurence. All Bonjour. Right. You'll never sing there. You'll never sing there. <laughs> Join bronze at the SJAs. You'll never sing there. <laughs> Is that what happened? Join bronze. Got John bronze at the SJAs. Boom. Rep- What's that? So that makes you a fourth. Makes makes Third us ahead of, of the Gavin Jules show. Does it? Didn't Woo! podium. Didn't ah, podium, Jules. Because I wasn't there. What part of the Totally Football Show let us down? <laughs> and is it the European it, one, by the way? Is it the European one or the normal one? There was the whole, there was the I whole think thing. That, didn't ah. the judges say that too many panellists appear on other shows and that's why? Dilutes the product. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, the judges had nothing. I, I, think next year? I think their view was very much that everyone was a winner and it was half, hard to, to, to judge. And the, the winner said some really nice things about the quality of the other podcasts. So. And do you know what? I think at the end of the day, the friendships we've made here is the real prize. Mm. The real podcast. Yeah, football prize. is the winner anyway. Mm. Yeah. The friends we've made and the knowledge we've gained, the, the moments of the weekend that we've shared. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of which it's been a big... Big weekend for moments. Let's hear yours, Rafa. My moment of the week, <laughs> James. <laughs> I'm not sure I have a moment of the week, but that's not. <laughs> that's outrageous. But that's not. That's not due to me not thinking about it. It's right. just that I'm not sure there was one iconic moment as such. Okay. But if you ask me for. The game of the week mm. or the impact of the week, mm-hmm. I would say Schalke going to Bochum and winning right. because Schalke are a huge deal. We sometimes forget just how big they are. Probably the third biggest club in Germany by support. But also the backstory of it. Thomas Reis, Bochum legend as a player, as a coach, flirts with Schalke, stays, then gets fired, then signs with Schalke anyway, now returns to Bochum to beat them and to well, I don't want to say plunged them down, but they switched places effectively. Right. And, and it, Schalke might survive and Bochum might, might not. Right. I'm sure we're going to talk more about this because, A, it's now the tightest relegation battle the Bundesliga has ever seen. The bottom four all on the same number of points. And, B, who is Schalke facing next weekend? Borussia Dortmund and the Riviera Derby. It's mm. tight at the Bochum. Very nice. It's tight yeah. in the Ruhr. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alvaro. Well, my moment of the weekend is the player of the weekend, Antoine Griezmann. Mm, he had a difficult start of the season because he couldn't play more than 30 minutes for Atletico de Madrid. But at some point, Barcelona and Atletico mm, got an agreement for Griezmann. He became an Atletico player. And ever since then, he's been flourishing, not only in the World Cup, but also lately in La Liga, playing in between the lines fantastically. 
I urge everyone to have a look to the pass he gave to Alvaro Morata in one of Atletico's goals. It didn't count as an assist, as you told me, because Alvaro Morata couldn't uh, score it in the first place, but then he got the rebound. But that pass over the defense, just uh, chipping the ball, it was beautiful. And his goal was very nice as well. I think that he has scored 150 goals for Atletico de Madrid. Not a bad number for a player who is becoming more of a midfielder, a creator, someone in between the lines. And yeah, Atletico, by the way, beat Sevilla 6-1. But Antoine Griezmann was the outstanding player, yeah. Magnificent. James? Friday night in Naples, Maurizio Sarri going back to the team that he almost led to the league title and upset Napoli, um, really. 1-0 win. Tactical masterclass from uh, Sarri, um, whose Napoli in 2018 were actually a point better off than this Napoli now. So as much as people say, ah, Spalletti's Napoli, they're fantastic because they're 15 points clear. The reality is, is that Sarri's Napoli, the one that Saki Guardiola fell in love with, were statistically better and only didn't win the league because they came up against a Juventus side that were dominating Serie A in the way that Bayern were dominating the Bundesliga and PSG have dominated Liga. And so afterwards he was asked um, about sort of preference and said, you know, just because you like blondes doesn't mean you can't appreciate uh, a wonderful <laughs> brunette <laughs> as well. This was in Italy, was it? <laughs> this was in Italy, yeah. And so I don't know whether his Napoli is the blonde and Spalletti's is the brunette. But, right. You know, yeah. Just... It was it's pretty all about beauty. Goal that won it. No, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, all right, uh, their first home defeat in the league this season. That Napoli's. yeah, yeah, yeah. Since I think May, yeah, twenty twenty two or April twenty twenty two. Wow, so. Jules has to be Kylian Mbappe beating the all time goal scoring record at PSG two hundred and one. He left the late, he scored in, at the time in that non game on Saturday night, and they had a little ceremony after his family was in the stands. It was really nice. Mm, excellent. All right. Lots of big moments coming up midweek with the second legs of the Champions League last 16. We'll get onto that next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This Tuesday evening in the Champions League, Dortmund are at Stamford Bridge. A goal up from the first leg. Benfica, meanwhile, will host Scott Parker's Club Bruges with a 2-0 lead from the game in Belgium. On Wednesday, then, it's Spurs against Milan. Spurs, a goal down from the game at San Siro. And Bayern PSG. This one finished 1-0 to the Bavarians in Paris. Jules, in four of the last six seasons, PSG haven't made it past the last 16. Will they this time and why, if so? I think they can. I think when Mbappe is in that kind of form, anything is, is possible. Uh, Neymar is out for the rest of the season now. We know that since yesterday we'll have surgery on his... Uh, Ankle that had been damaged a very long time ago, but never really been looked after. Um, so he's he's a miss, he's a blow in, in a way. Although I think to go and play Bayern in Munich, I think it, the team would be more balanced without him anyway. But he could have always come off the bench if 
PSG needed something a bit different towards the end, uh, there would be games late in the season where I think he would have been very useful. Of course, he's a very, very good player. But for this game, I think they're probably maybe better off without him and and play with a back three with maybe more solidity in midfield and having Messi and Mbappe up front to try to find space, find a goal. And if they score first and come back to 1-1 on aggregate, then I think it's, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. It was a scary cameo that... Killian had in the first leg, Rafa. And last time PSG were at the uh, Allianz Arena, was it two goals he scored in that 3-2 win? Yeah. yeah. What's the view in Munich? It was an empty Allianz Arena, but nevertheless, um, he played really well that night. And of course, I don't want to say Bayern are frightened, but they are concerned that a fully fit Mbappe will, will pose different problems, especially if they can just afford to park him and Messi up front and the other eight will will play that's still a better balance that they had in the, in the first leg I think there would be more confidence in Munich irrespective of what PSG are doing in their form if Bayern themselves had a, a more profound rhythm and performances that didn't leave that much to be desired every week almost with the exception of the Union game there's some flaws, there's some moments where they don't play well, substitutions don't kind of work. And the sense that this team is not playing at the level they should be playing. And I think even against the PSG side that have their own issues, the Bayern morale would be higher, the confidence would be higher if they felt 100% happy with, with where they are and they're not. Who's going to play as right back for Bayern? Well, this is interesting because um, Joao Cancelo didn't play mm-hmm. against Stuttgart and was only on the bench and uh, Stanisic played. And Nagelsmann was asked about this and he said, well, yeah, the problem is that Cancelo can't really play in a back three on the right. He's never really played much for that in that situation. And uh, in brackets, he's no good to me. That didn't go down well, as you can imagine, I'm sure, with the player. It also begs into question a little bit why they brought him in in the first place if Nagelsmann wants to play with a back three and and doesn't play him. To be fair, it is a bit of a hybrid system. So Bayern often build with three players, but when it comes to defending, Koeman doesn't really come all the way back to make it a five. As you'd expect, it's more like Davis and then it is really a four. Um, but I, I still, that's seems to suggest that defensively Nagelsmann doesn't fully trust mm. Cancelo. And I think because Benjamin Pavard is, is suspended, mm. he doesn't really have too many options if he doesn't trust Cancelo to deal with. With Mbappe on the right, he has to play, I think, without the ball with three centre-backs because two is not going to be enough against Messi and Mbappe if they just stay up there. And you don't have another centre-back available because there's only really two. So Stanisic, as this hybrid player, has to come in on the right. But it's still going to be a tough ask for him to to deal with that. Mm. Will, will much be happening over in that part of the field? for whoever's... <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Um, but it could be. It was interesting. Cancelo obviously started in Paris and yeah. then was taken off at halftime when Bayern were very dominant in that game, which already, if Nagelsmann is not happy when Cancelo plays in a very dominant Bayern team... Imagine when Nagelsmann thinks that they might suffer a little bit more and that the game won't be as dominant, then then there's no chance for him to play. And 
unless they were going to revert back to a back four, which I don't think they would do for a game like this, then there's no room for Cancelo in there. And he's a player that uh, doesn't manage very well the frustration of not playing, as Pep Guardiola said, because Guardiola said that, uh, as far as I can remember, I don't want to misquote him, but uh, he was only happy when he played. Uh, and he was more unhappy than some other players when he didn't play. And this is what's happening to him now sometimes. Well, I can, I, I can understand if there's a sense of frustration if you leave Man City to go to Bayern with a view of being involved in big games and winning the Champions League, and then you get loft, left out against PSG. For Stanisic as well. For Stanisic, yeah, if, who is still young and still learning, I'd be, I'd be unhappy as well. Rafa, those are some areas of concern then for Bayern, but the Bavarians are 1-0 up. And at home in this second leg, they've got a bunch of former PSG players who can't stop scoring they've against them. They've won every Champions League game and kept six clean sheets in seven games. Right. So they must be kind of confident as well. I think the confidence comes from the fact that they have turned up in the Champions League every single time when it mattered this year. The, 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 the form in the, in the league has been indifferent by their standards, but with the exception of a few minutes against Inter and Barcelona, it's been, it's been a very convincing but, yeah, Bayern are wary that history might repeat itself in as much as last year, as you recall, when they got knocked out by Villarreal, they never really looked 100% at their very best in the league. And the idea was, OK, forget about that. You can lose against Salzburg as they did in the last 16. When it comes to the big games, we will turn up. And it didn't. And... PSG, of course, will, will sharpen the minds more than perhaps Villarreal did. But there's still, I think, this lingering doubt whether this team can actually show up in the way that does justice to the talent. And I think that's why confidence isn't sky high before mm. this game. One of these two giant Euro clubs is going out Tuesday night. Which is it going to be, James? Well, I had a question for Jules, which probably gives away where I think this tie is going. Who's going to play in this back three for PSG? Is Marquinhos going to be fit? Yeah, he will play. He's, I think he still has a bit of a rib pain. I don't think they're broken, otherwise he would not be able to play. But there was a, like a clash with a non-player on Saturday, so he won't be maybe 100%. So I don't know if they put injections, I don't know what, but he's going to play. Donnarumma not in form. With Ramos, yeah, he was beaten at his near posts. Although Ludovic Bla, after the game, to be fair to him, said, that's not why I didn't want to do that. I, so it's not like he would have said, I saw Donnarumma kind of anticipated the cross and I put the ball. He said, like, I wanted to cross and the ball went in. And so that took a little bit of blame away from Donnarumma, but it's still a goal that you don't expect him to concede. But Ramos and Danilo would be the other one because of the Kimpembe injury. So there's a few big players missing for PSG. But Hakimi, despite all the off-field problems, should be back. And and then he's just hoping that Messi and Mbappe do something special. Right. Donnarumma doesn't have another Rick. Mm. Well, on his line, he's been excellent at times. And he was he was good, except for the goal. After in the, the goal. First yeah. yeah. For the first leg. All right. OK. Meanwhile, in the Bundesliga, Bayern still on top on goal difference from Borussia Dortmund. Union have dropped points again. 2-1 at Stuttgart, which are promoting... Uh, celebrating his contract extension, Rafa, there. Dortmund also won. 2-1 against Leipzig, Rafa, as you know. Marco läuft an und... Tor! Jawohl! Tor! Marco! Tor! 
What about that win? That's now 10 straight victories for them this year. And what are their prospects at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, the prospects are good. Of course, they they really come with lots of confidence. They've been winning games where they weren't necessarily the better team throughout 90 minutes. Um, and it's quite a contrast with Bayern because Bayern, when they don't dominate and win, they start picking the flaws out and say, you know, why didn't we do this? Why did that? Dortmund win and they're not fully convincing. They say, okay, this is actually a sign of us becoming a better side and we're winning those edgy games and maybe we even get a bit of that famous Bayern doozle, that Bayern luck that they work so hard to to create over the decades. Now Dortmund seem to benefit from it. But of course it is based on effort, on commitment, much more resilience and mentally and they've learned how to play without the ball. Against Leipzig, they were good in the first half, created chances, scored goals. In the second half, Leipzig pushed. It was hard to say how much was it cause and effect, how much did Leipzig push and how much did Dortmund just happily sit quite deep and soak up the pressure. But it did it well enough. Um, on another day, a very last-minute chance from Timo Werner goes in and then you'd be having a different conversation. But they seem to get these breaks at the moment. Um, having said that, I think there is real respect for, for Chelsea, even the stuttering Chelsea. Chelsea probably had one of their best games under Potter against Dortmund in the first leg. Were unlucky not to get something from it. And Dortmund are wary that if they just defend and hope that somehow they're going to keep a clean sheet and squeeze through, it's probably not going to work. So... I expect them to go for that second goal and then maybe do what they've done in recent weeks and just, just be a bit more reactive. But the, the problem is that they don't have that natural outlet at the moment. They don't have Adeyemi, who did so amazingly well uh, on the break. They have no Mukoku either. So Sebastian Ale provides a different kind of outlet, but then you need to wait for runners to come and it's just not quite the same snap on the, on the counter-attack. Spunk. Yeah, no, that's, that's different. That's different. Yeah. Chelsea have problems with outlets as well, of course. Alvaro. Yeah, but Marco Royce, he's enjoying a good moment, I think, and Julian Brandt as well, no? Especially yeah, Julian, Julian Brandt, Brandt is playing really well. Julian Brandt is playing really well, and he's the face of the storm in many in many ways because Julian Brandt was always this hugely talented footballer, super nice on the ball, but then goes missing and doesn't show up and loses his focus, and now he is one of the hardest working most dependable players of this team along with Emre Can who was also sort of a symbol of Dortmund not buying well when it came to slightly more experienced players mm. but he's really turned his career around and he's now also arguably one of the not arguably he's one of the most important players in this team in that number six position and then you got Jude Bellingham as well yeah Jude who by his standards actually has been a little bit less impressive in recent weeks but he's probably due a big performance and uh, Dortmund will need him, especially when it comes to bridging those those spaces. You know, to, to have him run on the ball, box to box, that's going to be a huge factor for Dortmund if they are to weather the storm and also create chances themselves. Mm -hmm. Dortmund are the only team in Europe with a 100% record this calendar year. Also the continent's top goal scorer since the turn of the year with 26. Chelsea... Since the start of January, three goals. <laughs> yeah. But many chances. That's the thing. Yeah, the loads of chances. is much yeah. higher than that. And at some point, they will score because don't, they don't create tons of, of chances, but they still create more than they score. 
And there will be a point where surely at some point Harvest will score 1v1, that Joel Felix will stop hitting the crossbar and the ball will come in. At some point, they will have, they will have a bit of luck, surely, that they're not missing. Well, interesting, they play with the back three at the weekend against Leeds, which when they played well, so in the first hour, worked out well. Will they do the same? Do they even have three very good centre-backs to play against a team like Dortmund? Right. I mean, they Chagos. should do. Yeah, no Chagos, <laughs> no Chagos Silva, no Badiashil, because Badiashil didn't put him on the list. So, you know, you can play Shaloba, you can play Koulibaly and then find a third one, or he reverts to a back four. But it is concerning that uh, Kai Havertz has a one-on-one with the goalkeeper, and uh, you think that he's not going to score. It's like the save. other day against Messi. This one's a good save, though. Yeah. The you have a score, didn't save. he? I know, I know, but yeah. Mm. There you go. That's coming up on Tuesday, Raf. Dortmund sweating on the fitness of Gregor Kubel in goal, who is, again, absolutely massive for them because he's saved their uh, behinds many, many times. Maya played for him against Leipzig, played really well. But Kubel is another is at another level. Be huge for them. If, uh, What's wrong with recover. him, Raf? It's just a, a muscle thing. Right. Be interesting to see if Kubel Khan play on Tuesday night at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Meantime, of course, as we mentioned, huge game at the weekend uh, with the derby against Schalke. What about that relegation battle then, eh, Raf? Four teams, same points, and then Hurter only one point better off. Yeah, it's super exciting. Um, and uh, it's funny because all the teams with blue seem to be uh, going down this year, if you look at the table. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Um because of the Thomas Reis dynamic that we talked about a bit earlier, I think that game had an extra element of of spice and, mm. and maybe even animosity. When he was first linked with a job, Thomas Reis asked a rhetorical question, dismissing the suggestion that he will ever go to Schalke, saying, is there anyone more Bochum than me? Mm. And the Bochum fans responded to that because he did, of course, go to Schalke soon, soon after, saying, is there a more dishonorable bastard than me? Crikey. Which wasn't very nice. Um, they also threw boiling bag rice. At, nice. um, How do you bring boiling bag rice in the stadium? Or do you boil them in the stadium? Yeah, <laughs> it was unboiled. It was just a sachet. It was just a bag itself. It wasn't actually boiling, I think. Yeah. It, was, it was boil in, not boiling oh, bag yeah. rice. <laughs> it wasn't like some kind of medieval. <laughs> was, I was wondering. I never heard of rice as a weapon in football stadiums. So right. Like, I mean, yeah. you know. But so, yeah. I don't know if there's a word for this when you are basically doing a practical joke but a word pun at the same time. That's nice, isn't it? But if uh, there is, I'm sure Germany would, you know. We, be, we, yeah, no? I haven't come across it yet. <laughs> All right. But uh, it missed. Oh. Um, and uh, maybe just like the pun itself, it didn't land. Nice. Yeah. Okay, the other game in the Champions League on Tuesday is Benfica against Bruges. Benfica, of course, already... 2-0 up from the away leg, so I mean, this is kind of done and dusted. 45 times, in fact, a club has been ahead in that manner in the Champions League. Only once, only one team has failed to go through, so it looks like a formality. What's that? Who, who was that team? that uh, We don't need to get into that. Change. But the we question is, to, sorry, just to, to be serious for one side and, and save Jules some hassle, um, you wonder how relevant these stats are now that we live in the brave no new world. Of, exactly. no yeah. It does change the dynamics a lot. How also, bad. how many of those 45 ties before had Scott Parker on the bench? None, unless this is his last one as well, because he's clearly not good enough. <laughs> well, there you it's go. True. There you go. 
two wins, wins in, in 11 matches. Yeah, that's, I think he took over. They were 13 points behind the leaders in the league. Mm-hmm. And they're 25 behind now, some, or 23 behind, something yeah. like that. It's crazy. They lost against the club yeah. in relegation this weekend. Yeah, 3 yeah. nil. Yeah. They're worse than when he arrived, which is some achievement from a manager, from a new... That new bounce was actually a low bounce. Mm. Yeah. What's the opposite of a bounce? Drop. Yeah. All and right. A new drop from the mm. manager. Which is not the idea, really, when you change manager. Indeed or you just not. go flat, well done, surely. Hmm? You just go flat. Right. Because if you're the bouncing, is... you are going down. Yeah. But and you then you're coming up. You have a flat suggests that it just continues. Yeah, you do okay. It's a dip. It's a dip. It's a dip. end of the bounce. You just go like that. And then moving on on the Totally Football Show. It's a new manager dip. Yeah. I mean, you anyway. And on that note, uh, let's take a very quick pause and then we'll be back with Wednesday's other game, which is Spurs-Milan. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Hello, Matt Davis-Adams here, host of Straight Outta Cobham, the Athletics' dedicated Chelsea FC podcast. It's set to be a season-defining week for the Blues and Graham Potter with the Dortmund D-Day in the Champions League and continued attempts to get back on track in the Premier League. So come and join us as we go deep on all the Blues news in the company of the Athletics' Chelsea experts. There's also unrivaled coverage of the women's team, they're brilliant, and the academy sides, they're pretty handy too. So if you've got blue blood or you just enjoy a good rubberneck, come and join us for Straight Outta Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Breaking news this Tuesday morning is that UEFA have announced they are going to refund Liverpool supporters from the Champions League final last summer in Paris their ticket costs in light of the distress and and uh, conditions they endured. Uh, Jules, what's been the reaction in, in Paris to the kind of revelations of the 
disorganization and also the lies that that, that followed this this final yeah i mean the, the we kind of knew that the report will highlight that again because it was pretty obvious um in the days after the final that already we can, knew the truth is that the french government i mean if you remember gerald damana who was the uh Inter Minister at the time tweeting on the night of the final that all those hooligans from Liverpool trying to get in with our tickets. We knew that that was a big fat lie and we knew that once again, Darmanin should have um, shut up and not said anything. He was not the only one, unfortunately, from the French government. So it was it was damning for the French. I, I think they got away with it because UEFA took a lot of the blame. They took the blame for what they did wrong, which they did a lot, but also they took the blame from the French government and the French police, who I thought should have apologized on the back of the report as well a couple of weeks ago, not just, or three weeks ago, not just let UEFA take the whole blame and just apologize on themselves. And I don't think that just refunding, you know, whatever your ticket was, £60, £50, £70, maybe sometimes more, I'm sure, you just can't always buy things with money anyway. Uh, People, like you said, really felt distressed and I think a big tragedy was avoided mm-hmm. and it's not just paying off people 50 or 60 pounds that would, I think, make them feel better about what happened. Okay, so but the police haven't, they haven't really kind of recognised no. their part in this. And, they uh, did at the time a little bit, right. but then it went quiet. So as they do in France, they just, you know, right. right. Well, no point, in a lot of countries. I think disgraceful. Yeah, if I can add something, um, I have followed this case a little bit and uh, Liverpool fans, has been chasing this way more than Real Madrid uh, fans and Real Madrid the club, because there is a bigger sensibility here in the in Liverpool, especially about the, these kind of things. I think that uh, many Real Madrid fans felt that the situation was dangerous as well. Mm, also after mm, the game when they were just walking down uh, Saint Denis, I think is the name of the area, many of them were, were pickpocket uh, some local uh, people from there from Saint Denis just tried to injure them, but uh, that stayed on the day. That stayed on the day. Real Madrid hasn't followed up this really. And I think that uh, Liverpool has done it uh, way more because there is a bigger sensibility after the um, tragedies of Hillsborough and Heysel. I think that the Spanish football doesn't have anything like that that I can remember. And uh, maybe that's why. Mm. Were the Real Madrid fans caught up in those bottlenecks the same way as the, the, the Liverpool fans were? I, I think some of them were. We no, have a <coughs> special report on the website about this from okay. Simon Hughes and Guillermo Rai. So I mm. imagine you... Go and read that if you want to learn more. Excellent. There there was definitely distress for them. And uh, after the game as well, they felt that the police uh, wasn't looking after the area uh, properly. But as I said, that stayed on the day. I remember after the final, uh, many Real Madrid supporters were in the radio, on TV, talking about that, but stayed there. Mm. Okay. Spurs taking on Milan Wednesday night at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Again, just the one goal in this one, James. Milan looking to make it through to a Champions League quarterfinal for the first time since 2012. What are their prospects? It's a very open game. I think uh, there is some regret that they didn't take care of business uh, in the first leg because they had a couple of chances to win by two, three goals. Um, those chances for uh, Charles de Ketelet and Malik Chow. Um, but I think don't underestimate the confidence um, that that win brought. Um, because you know Milan in the last 18 months since they've come back into the Champions League have had some pretty chastening experiences playing against Premier League opponents, uh, Liverpool in the group stages last year, Chelsea in the group stages this year. So to get that win was important. Um, things stabilised because that win came at quite a delicate moment 
uh, for Pioli. Um, they put together four uh, wins in a row, four clean sheets, but then lost at the weekend in Florence to Fiorentina. And Pioli had to answer the criticism that, you know, were your players' heads already in North London? Right. Which he said, no, 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 no. No, no, absolutely not. Um, it was just that, yeah, Fiorentina, good team. Mm. We allowed them to do what they're really good at, which is kind of winning the ball high. I think interestingly for Milan, they've got really good players back for this game who were not available for the first leg. So their goalkeeper, Mike Mainian, who I imagine if Spurs throw the kitchen sink at uh, Milan, uh, he will be very important. Uh, Tomori is back. Now, Tomori's not had very good times when he's played against Premier League teams. Um, hasn't shown the level that he has in Serie A. Um, everyone can probably remember his performances against Chelsea, home and away. I think sent off in one, culpable for some goals in the other. Uh, and then Benacer is back. Um, I think Benacer is one of the most underrated midfield players in, in Europe and will be really important to help Milan manage possession, hold on to the ball away from home. Operation Big Ben as the Gazetta. <laughs> Called yeah. it nice, nice. Also, Rafael Liao, who wasn't available for the uh, the Fiorentina defeat. Yeah, he was suspended. Um, he was in the recording studio um, oh, yeah? dropping some bars. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, um, because he... He'd had he's had a disappointing season, but he he really woke up for that first leg at San Siro. Yeah, particularly in the the second half, um, they got him and Teo more into the game. Um, he had a really good first half of the season. Um, seemed to be picking up where he left off last year, where they kind of surfed the wave of Leao to their first league title since two thousand eleven. But the World Cup, these contract talks, um, you know, continued persistent Premier League interest in the player um, you know he has not played at the same level that he had done um, up until the kind of turn of the year um, and I think he's due uh, a big Champions League performance because he has yet to really show what we've seen in Serie A from him over the last 18 months in the Champions League you know they've they've been a team that has more often than not looked to Giroud to uh, to deliver. Of course, the other player who's available for this game is a certain Zlatan, <laughs> um, who even as a, someone for 20, 15 minutes at the end of the tie, put dire la sua. So, so yeah. So, but I think it's 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 such an open game. You, you don't know what you're going to get from Spurs at the moment. Well, are you going to get right. the Spurs that are going to? Beat Man City. They are on a three-game winning streak yeah, at the home yeah. stadium. Man City, Chelsea, and West Ham, none of whom managed to actually score a goal. And Milan, uh, away from home, just one win in their last 14 in the Champions League knockout stages away from home. Obviously, that's stretching back a long time. But yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, Olivier Giroud has got the flu. Yeah, although he's been training this morning. Okay, good. Um, so, you know, I think as with Marquinhos and his ribs... Mm. Yeah, Giroud and his flu. Yeah, you nice. fine. <laughs> Antonio Conte will be back on the sidelines, we understand. Is that well, a good thing? I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well... It's um, a tight one. It is a, it is a bit of very tight one. Um, you know, I mean, Spurs, for the most part, dominated possession. Played in Milan's own half at San Siro, but could not lay a glove on them. And so, yeah, they'll have to do a, a lot more in this tie. 
Um, but yeah, it probably feels the most open of those this week. Um, I think it's just, yeah, it's tricky to call. All right. Well, we'll see on Wednesday, of course, another four fixtures coming up next week. Some pretty interesting ones there as well. Very good. Looking forward to all of that action. And next up on this Totally Football Show, let's check out what's been happening in the leagues around Europe. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Now, it's not Champions League. No. But it features a Premier League side and a side from La Liga, and it is... Betis, who take on Man United on Thursday in that Europa League. Is it home or away, Alvaro? It's Manchester United. Betis. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Betis had a a nil-nil draw with Real Madrid this weekend, while at the same time, as you were mentioning at the start, the other Sevilla side and the other Madrid side were having that extraordinary 6-1 game. We'll come on to that in a second or two, but Real Madrid uh, held goalless by Betis. Yes, and uh, it was the second game in a row that they didn't score. Mm-hmm. It was concerning what we saw on Thursday in uh, El Clásico, Copa del Rey first leg semi-final uh, at Santiago Bernabéu, Barcelona beat them 1-0. And the truth is that uh, Barcelona seemed devoid of any of the style that you would associate with them. Uh, but still, that didn't mean that Real Madrid could score because they couldn't create chances against uh, Ter Stegen and Barcelona ended up winning that game. Real Madrid didn't score at the Bernabeu. It was concerning to see that uh, for all the ball they had in the periphery of the box, they couldn't actually take shots. And the same thing happened against Betis, maybe a little bit less so. But um, Betis got a point at home against Real Madrid. And... Uh, you know, it was a good weekend for Barcelona for that reason, because Barcelona beat Valencia and Real Madrid dropped points against Betis. And um, there were uh, criticism for the first time, a little bit to the sporting policy of Real Madrid, because they wanted to sign Kylian Mbappé, as we all know, that didn't happen. We got to know that it wasn't going to happen at the end of May. And from that point onwards, Real Madrid had a 103 days just to think about another option. Real Madrid has been working very well so far with Asensio, Rodrigo, Vinicius, Benzema. But when Benzema is not scoring goals and uh, he's going through a little bit of a dip, you know, it would be good to have another target man. Álvaro Rodríguez came out against Atlético de Madrid. Uh, he scored the goal, but it's true that maybe Real Madrid is missing another number nine with experience because Mariano is in the squad and I said endlessly that he's simply not uh, an option for Carlo Ancelotti. Mm. Well, they have their own big Champions League coming up in a week's time when they'll be... Defending that five 
2-2 lead from the first leg against yeah. Liverpool. A Liverpool side who obviously have uh, got their goal on as of last weekend. The team that they beat yeah. in such uh, dramatic fashion at Anfield on Sunday. Man United, though, taking on Betis. What, what do you think about that game? Uh, well, number one, uh, let me tell you that uh, what Liverpool did to Manchester United can be a wake-up call, call to Real Madrid. In the sense that Real Madrid will, they will go, they were going to play very professionally against Liverpool, but uh, it's not a bad thing to get uh, regular alerts of how dangerous they can be because Liverpool has a good uh, goal scoring difference in the Premier League, but uh, seven of those goals were against Manchester United, nine of those goals were against Bournemouth, mm. meaning that on the day they can really be dangerous. So it was good for Real Madrid to know okay. that again. Uh, Betis and, and Man United? Betis and Manchester United is a totally different story because I think that Betis are in this point in which they are a little bit toothless in the boxes. Um, they are not particularly strong uh, when it comes to defending. And when it comes to attacking, the chain of supply to the striker, Borja Iglesias, is not, is not assisting right now. Uh, the other day, Betis didn't have big chances. It's true that in midfield, they are working very well with uh, a player like Rodri, who had a great game against Real Madrid. And hopefully Canales will be ready for the game at Old Trafford. Because with the absence of Fekir, who is out for the remainder of the season, Canales is the biggest creator. Betis has and uh, Canales is so pivotal for Borja Iglesias to activate himself and have chances. So I think that Manchester United will have definitely more athleticism and um, physicality than Betis. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the game against Real Madrid was very physical on Sunday and Betis managed to be up to the challenge, at least until the 80th minute. And after that, I think that they were very tired. Last season, for example, we saw in the Europa League that when Betis played against German sides like Bayer Leverkusen, they couldn't cope. They couldn't cope with the speed of the game. But I think that this Betis is slightly different to last season's one. It's still not super physical. And to play at Old Trafford, you have to be in your best physical shape. Mm. And uh, I think that this is going to be crucial. If Real Betis manages to keep the ball, keep long possessions, just make the game sleep a little bit, and then... Uh, turn up when Manchester United gets physical and strong, then Betis will have a chance. Okay. It's a big game for their manager as well. Pellegrini. Mm. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's back uh, at Old Trafford. Uh, let's not forget that, uh, you know, Manuel Pellegrini is one of those managers that uh, enjoys winning there. Uh, Manchester City won the title in 2014 and that Manchester United, uh, I don't know if they challenged for the title with Betis, uh, sorry, with uh, Manchester City, but um, I think that Pellegrini got the best of Manchester United a few times, but um, this is a different story, really. Right now, you see Manchester United, and apart from what happened on Sunday, which hopefully for them will be a one-off, uh, they are a team, you know, with so many tools up front to score from any angle, any moment. Whereas Real Betis, if they want to score a goal, they really have to put a shift all together to, to get that or to make that happen. So, as I said before, I mean, Betis are toothless in the boxes and Manchester United is probably the opposite of that. So, I'm expecting Manchester United to be the favourite for this fixture. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, we'll see on Thursday evening. The other Sevillan team, as we mentioned, beaten 6-1 by Atletico Madrid on Saturday. Real Extraordinary scoreline from Atletico Madrid. And also with Valencia beaten by Barcelona, they're in the bottom three. Sevilla are only outside the bottom three on goal difference at the moment. Yeah. You could have two absolutely huge clubs going down, Alvaro. It's extraordinary. I think that's the last time we had a possibility like that, and it, it ended up happening. It was in 2000 when Atletico, Betis and Sevilla wow. all went down. 
which is, in my opinion, the most entertaining season in Spanish football history because Deportivo won La Liga and then Real Madrid ended up winning the Champions League despite not qualifying for the Champions League in the regular season. But yeah, we are witnessing something like that. Atletico, we have to say that they were very clinical and uh, they embellished the game with some beautiful goals because it wasn't only Antoine Griezmann in the mm. moment of the weekend uh, just giving that pass to Alvaro Morata. Antoine Griezmann scored a beautiful goal. And Memphis, as well, a player who has a deadly right-footed uh, shot. I mean, he just uh, showed that this is his speciality and he scored beautiful goals too. But Sevilla crumbled and Sevilla went down uh, a few times in the game and it's pretty much inexplicable how a team can go from getting last season at this point 50 points mm. to they go... They were second this point They, they were second, yeah. yeah. And maybe not fighting for the title because that was more illusory. they were illusory. off the zone. Yeah, but yeah. perhaps yeah. it was a little bit illusory, mm. right? Because you knew that Real Madrid were going to, you know, at some point just push the accelerator and uh, run away with the title. But they were there. And now uh, Sevilla... Uh, you know that uh, in tennis there is an index which is the most improved player. Mm. So... I don't know what will be the equivalent in football. It will be the most declining team mm. in relation to last year. It's Sevilla. Sevilla last season had 50 points. This season they've got 25. Funnily enough, the team that they faced in the Europa League West Ham similarly challenged this yeah. year. Yeah. What does it mean? I don't know. No, but they meet. They will meet them. They meet them in the Europa League last season. Yeah, yeah you are right. right. No, not this season. Something I got you wrong. Yeah, something yeah. happened that night. Maybe they were cursed or something like that. Perhaps. I, I mean, you know, it happens all the time. Coque Griezmann, Griezmann, Griezmann! ¡Qué golazo! ¡Gol, gol, 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 gol! ¡Golazo del Atlético de Madrid! What about Griezmann? What about the evolution of this pink-haired little scamp? I just think he continued the momentum from the World Cup. I think there was a question mark over can he stay as as good as he was at the World Cup in a, in a very different position. And he's done that and he's just, I think he's happy there. The family is very happy there. And it was just a matter of time after a slow start when he resigned for the club that he will find his his best form again. And when he has players around him who make runs like the Morata, a kind of pass that... Alvaro mentioned earlier when Memphis is there, like on the first goal, when Memphis takes the, the running behind and then he can find him, he's, he's great. So he's really the one that has carried this team so far this season. And a player with a certain footballing wisdom as well, because he started as a, playing as a forward for Real Sociedad. He continued in that position in his first years at Atletico de Madrid and now he has become like a master in between the lines. But uh, let me go back to Sevilla very quickly. I think that the situation over there is very concerning. Valencia's situation is even more concerning, but Sevilla alone, they are having a very poor season, and there are some signs that they don't look good. For example, against uh, Osasuna, Sampaoli passed uh, during the game a paper to Acuña uh, with some tactical breakdown, and Acuña just broke it and couldn't care less well, about that. tore it up? Yeah, he tore it up completely. He couldn't care less about that. But wasn't so that the opposition couldn't read it or anything like that? No, no, he didn't read it either. No way. No, no, he, he, he couldn't care less. And um, there is a rumor, and I read that in El País uh, yesterday, that uh, some players, they just don't believe in the manager anymore. Uh, Rakitic being one of the most vocal against San Pauli. Again, this is what El País said. And uh, this season, they could be in institutional turmoil as well, because... The former president, Jose Maria del Nido, he's still the biggest stakeholder at Sevilla. And uh, there was a, a board meeting of the stakeholders 
a few weeks ago, and um, they have to vote for a few things related to the club. And Jose Maria del Nido says that they didn't let him vote. They didn't let him vote, that the, his vote didn't count. Mm. And he raised all this to a court in Sevilla. Oh. If that court in Sevilla accepts this uh, report, then um, at Sevilla will probably have an independent administrator from this week onwards. Correct. So let's see if that happens or not. But Jose Maria del Nido has been pressurizing and pushing for this board to leave for a very long time now because he wants to take charge of Sevilla right now. But he's only the major stakeholder, but he's not the president and he wants to be. But he has uh, 777 partners behind him, which is the fund that owns Genoa, has tried to buy her to Berlin, Standard Liège, Red Star, um, Vasco da Gama. I think Del Nido's son claimed to represent his shares. There's some legal issue. They've shown that's not the case. And now Del Nido, in his point of view, can take control of the club. 7-7 would come in. Very strange situation because would you want to come in in this kind of situation? In terms of structure, we could probably get into Monchi. We seem to be seeing more Roma Monchi than Sevilla Monchi this season. For a season. while now. Uh, for yeah. some time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if 777 were to take control, I mean, they had a relegation at Genoa last year. <laughs> you know, it's uh, these things are for ownership groups to come in uh, in season when there's real flux. Uh, things can spiral very quickly. And, you know, I think uh, we're already seeing that with Sevilla, clearly, um, even prior to a change of the the world order within El Mundo Sevilla, oh, you know, so. Mm. And, and it happened in, in 2000, I believe, when Atletico got relegated. Atletico got one of those, like, uh, independent uh, presidents or um, administrators, mm -hmm. and it didn't go well. I mean, it was a man called Ruby Blanc, and I think Atletico got relegated that, this, that season. But back to Monchi very quickly, the squad he made for this season didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense. He's a slow mm, They've got a, a very bad mix of youth and um, experience with some very old players and some too young players. And uh, I think that nothing symbolizes better all this than signing Isco just for Lopetegui and then sacking Lopetegui uh, after seven games. Mm. They've got Fenerbahce, haven't they, on, on yeah. Thursday in the Europa they were lucky even League. lucky to beat PSV on the second leg. Mm. Indeed. All right. Oh, speaking of uh, Dutch football, quick update on the uh, second division in the Netherlands. Yeah. Because it's tight games usually in the second division. <laughs> that's, that's right. What's this one here? Uh, PAC Zwolle. They were yeah. organized. Taking on yeah. Den Bosch. Den what Bosch, was, well drilled as well. What was the scoreline there, Jules? Was it like 4 nil after five minutes or something? And you had 13 <laughs> 13, the, 13 nil. nil. Yeah, 13, 13 nil. Like how, that's like that's uh, equaled the biggest ever victory in a Dutch league game. That was last Friday night. You'll recall that. Ajax also enjoyed the same scoreline against uh, Max Hedrum's favourite side, Venlo, back in 2020. Uh, there you Not go. Not as good as your Copa Khan. Really? Yeah. That was good. Was it? Yeah, well, I, nice. yeah, I mean, that's better than a, a that's bronze a, medal yeah, at that's the a SJ. That, <laughs> that's a John bronze. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, but the, the winning podcast in their speech, mm. they were, it's a, one about swimming. And they, they said they, they decided to take the plunge and make the podcast. Wow. Pun intended. Yeah. yeah. They, you know. I might have to have a, a deep How did dive. Uh, Scoop of the Year <laughs> go down? Scoop of the Year at the SJ Awards was won by 
Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan Glenn for Morgan. his Cristiano Ronaldo interview, which he gave us the backstory to. They became great friends. And he'd said that Cristiano had told him, if I ever tell my story, it's going to be to you, Piers. Wow. Yeah. And so he, he also said, so did he not also tell Piers he wouldn't go to Saudi Arabia? Yeah. And Piers also said that that wouldn't happen. Funnily That's enough, uh, Piers did say in his speech that Cristiano was a man of his word, but he didn't follow up on that. He did find time to call out one or two of his kind of favorite hate figures. And right. he made a, he did make a funny joke. He said, when he mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo, he said, Cristiano Ronaldo, who until uh, Sunday was the most famous number seven in Man United history. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Easy but, but, uh, nice. Easy but nice. Hmm. Well, I mean, he got the scoop. He got the scoop. It was a big story. Yeah. Now. I think there might be a different word for it, but yeah. In Liga, we heard about PSG. We didn't hear about their 4-2 win against Nantes, which featured Kylian Mbappé with his 30th goal of the season and his 201st for PSG. Is that a significant number, Jules? It is, because nobody has ever scored more for PSG. Cavani had 200 in 301 games. Surely, like, in the 30s, 40s, like, in the beginning of football, there must have been more goals, no? No, because even back then, the French League was really competitive, defensive, you know. PSG. defensive. Yeah, or RC Parry, as he was called at the time. <laughs> right. uh, well done to him, though. He did it in 246 matches. So I've got 247 here. Is this one of those one games not counted? Yeah, I thought it was 246. All right, but, a, but an incredibly... I mean, and also he's just 24 years of age. Yeah. yeah. So mm. More record again. And great form. And you saw what it meant to him. It had been a frustrating day because they went 2-0 up and mm -hmm. losing, then 2-2. And then he could not find a goal. And then finally he came right at the end and the stadium really exploded. And he, you could see on his face and his celebration. And it was good. And the little ceremony after, and you know, some of the players who used to play with him who are playing now with him, congratulating him for the, for the record. And, you know, he, he had nice words as well after. Um, and already looking at Bayern, at the Bayern game straight away. Let's get an update on Will Still. Still unbeaten. Still unbeaten. How many games Incredible. is that now? 16? Eight, well, 18. 16 for him, yeah. but 18 for Rance. Yes, that's right. Incredible. He's still costing them, costing them a fortune, of course, right. as we mention every week. Still doesn't have his badges. But they're happy to take the 20K fine every week because they're doing so well. And now they can even qualify for Europe. And yeah, they're up for, to eighth place. So it was a very emotional few days for Rance, obviously, because Just Fontaine, right. one of the legends of French football, and uh, of Stade de Rance as well, passed away. And his funeral was on Monday, where mm. the, the Rance owner and, and president uh, and a few people from the club went to in Toulouse, where Just Fontaine lived uh, in his, uh, after his footballing career. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's good to see them doing well and maybe going back to Europe like when Just was playing for them. Very nice. Jules, like what would be next for Will still? Because, I mean, he's doing a remarkable job. Would someone like PSG look at Will still? Or? So he needs to pass, I think at some point he would need to pass his badges. Uh, which he will do in the in the postseason because you can't. I mean, you can't. Can you imagine 20k every single game that you're on the bench? You're costing your club. It's a lot of money. Um, but and I think this is a bit still too early. He's only been as mm -hmm. a first as a you know first team manager for the last 16 games. Before that, he was an assistant or it a video analysis. He makes it look great. And the fact that I think that he's clearly his communication skills with his 
players is very very so big good. and he's got a big brain and tactical tactical knowledge which he I think will improve the more experience he gets so maybe knowing the I wouldn't wouldn't think the next two years the bigger clubs like Lyon or PSG or or Marseille will take a you know will take him although if you think about Lyon it's not working with Laurent Blanc at all I wouldn't be surprised if Larry White was gone in the summer and then maybe it'd be a good idea for them to to go with, with Will Steele and then build something, something finally something that they should have built a long time ago with a, with a proper good manager. Excellent. Let's finish off today with a quick check on City A. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Spinazzola che si ferma, torna da Cristante, all'altezza di 25 metri, si libera Gianluca Mancini, prova la conclusione con il destro! La Roma in vantaggio! Esattamente al minuto 8 nel corso del primo tempo cambia il parziale allo Stadio Olimpico di Roma. Big wins for the Roman sides last weekend, James. Lazio has mentioned beating Napoli in Naples. Roma, meanwhile, taking on their old friends, Juventus, and coming out, coming away with a thrilling swashbuckling. Great, great game. <laughs> Were you watching this one? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, well... Uh, another sellout crowd. That enthusiasm undiminished by the the paucity of the entertainment sometimes from the the team. But a, a great result and a and a fabulous goal from Gianluca Mancini. Yeah, centre half who scores with a shot from outside the box. Jose Mourinho on the sidelines preparing some changes. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the side by side of uh, Mancini scoring and what Jose is doing. It's amazing. <laughs> Jose's Jose's about to like sort of make some notes and he kind of sort of takes the top off his pen and he's chewing on the pen top and he's looking like that and then he sees the goal go in and Tammy Abraham kind of runs to celebrate with Gianluca Mancini whereas Jose just continues writing what he was doing just nice. ice cold it's it's kind of his version of Ancelotti sort of just blowing on his tea right yes. right yes. Jose yeah. did yeah. run off the bench though in an animated fashion later in the game he did when Rick Karsdorp, who he'd previously thrown out of the team and called a traitor, <laughs> gave the ball uh, away. Gave the ball away. And Jose <laughs> came storming off the bench like he was that pitch invader at Anfield or something. 
Yeah, yeah. Jose, who had managed to get um, his ban yeah. for this game, temporarily suspended so he could be on the sideline. Uh, and Sari was 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 talking before Lazio's game against Alzheimer tonight, saying uh, he's only been able to do that because the reputation he has, the career, the Palmares, the trophies he's got. Mm. No other manager would be able to get that ban suspended um, because, yeah, Jose had... Uh, well, he claims that you know he was the uh, victim of some foul abuse from mm. the uh, from the fourth official during Roma's embarrassing defeat the Cremonese. Um, on, when was that? Last Monday or Tuesday night? A week Tuesday, ago. Tuesday, yeah. And um, and then said, "I don't want to get into this, but the fourth official is from Turin, and it's Juventus next weekend. So maybe that's why I've been sent a red card uh, when I've been why I've been sent off. But no, he was able to to see his team win um, at the weekend and. You know, it was a, it was a kind of a brilliant Jose performance. I think, you know, just like, did everything possible to nullify Juventus. Didn't play a striker. Just played essentially a team of defenders and midfield players, um, and then one with a goal from outside the box. <laughs> and <laughs> then he brought brilliant. on two strikers when yeah. he was one nil up, which yeah. again yeah. made not much sense. Well, uh, Roma back in the top four, depending on which table you look at. Yeah, I think I think. Uh, Milan have still got the edge on head-to-head. Right. So they're level on points, mm. but everybody under Napoli, who are fighting for the remaining three Champions League places, the next four sides, Inter, Lazio, Roma and Milan, separated by only three points. So it's super tight. Atalanta dropped points again this weekend, of, are now five points behind that group. Yeah. Roma and Lazio facing each other the week after, the weekend after this one. So that's yeah. going to be a... Napoli playing Atalanta this coming weekend Ooh. as well. It's... Uh, a fixture which has caused Napoli some problems uh, in the past. Um, and obviously they'll have Eintracht Frankfurt on their minds, mm. although they're kind of already through in that, that game and they're playing the second leg at the Diego Armando Maradona anyway. Um, Atalanta's just not scoring goals at the moment. They've drawn blanks in four of the last six games in all competitions, which considering how excited we were getting about Lukman, about Hoyland, about Borga is a little bit surprising. But usually there are fireworks when those two teams come up against each other. So, um, so yeah, we'll have to see. Roma playing Real Sociedad. Yeah. Your enemies, mm-hmm. Alvaro. Uh, yeah. yeah Thursday. And unfortunately, they, they are better than us now. But yeah, but they're, in, they're not doing well. No, no, no. And they drew games. with Cadiz in the weekend. I think that that game against Roma, both managers are very tactical. Real Sociedad one is not perceived like that. Right. So I think that they are going to play thinking on the 180 minutes. Jose Mourinho does that a lot. And uh, Imanol Aguacil is going to do the same thing. Okay. I'm quite looking forward to it. I mean, San Sebastian, what a great Thursday away day. Yeah, are you going along? To the well, we're not doing a goal show, are we're we? We're not so doing a goal show. kind of rude not to, really. Mm, there you go. Very great good. food city. Yeah. Jones, I was going to you know? say exactly <laughs> some some of the top top restaurants in Europe in San Sebastian. Yeah. That's where he's going. Yeah, if the game was somewhere like the middle of nowhere, Spain, he would never go. Yeah, he said, "I like, know I'm busy." Sheriff Tiraspol. to write. <laughs> <laughs> Magnificent. Uh, that is the state of play then on a Tuesday morning with some big games coming up, and we'll talk about the ones that have been played by Thursday morning in our next Totally Football show. Meantime, the gang will be back together in a week's time with more continental thoughts. For now, many thanks, Julian, James, Alvaro, Raphael, Honigstein, and producer Charlie. And you, listener, do join us again soon. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. 
You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.